welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined with Christoph, Hans, Junid and Sebastian to talk about how to help teams through uncertainty. Quite a pressing topic, I think, nowadays. Um, so let's start off with a round of introductions. Hans, would you like to go first? Right, yes. So my name is Hans Sandstrom. I'm engineering manager at a company called Instabi, which is um, a merger between uh, Budby and Instabox. Uh, I here manage uh, free teams uh, and uh, I've been a developer before and becoming an engineering manager. And uh, yeah, short about me, I'm very passionate about skiing and that's my primary hobby. Amazing, perfect. And then Christoph, would you like to go next? Yes, I can go. So my name is Christoph Pexoto. I'm the head of engineering sportsbook front end at Batson. I've been here for five years working with amazing teams. I am very passionate for sports. It was a good match that I, I found this role. Outside of work, I have two small kids. So a lot of my free time is based on Pokemon or Paw Patrol. And when I have some free time, I do sport of my own. And I really love to read. Incredible, lovely. And then Jeanette? Hello, I'm Jeanette Sheikh. I'm an Agile coach working with Ericsson. Before that, I was a test manager and a software tester. So I have, uh, I, I call it as quality, quality and agility. So yeah, uh, on my with my interests, I like fish keeping, uh, traveling, long drives, and uh, recently, I started playing uh, paddle. So that is my recent interest. Yeah, that's about me. Oh, amazing. I've heard a lot of people start picking up paddle at the moment. I keep seeing it all over social media. So it's really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then last, but by no means least, Sebastian. Yes. Hello. Uh, my name is Sebastian. I'm uh, the CTO of a company called MGLM. Uh, some of you might know our brands at Nordiska Galleriet and Lana Möbler. Uh, I don't know, professionally, my passion right now lies within uh, modern engineering culture uh, and AI. And uh, I have two small kids, uh, so my spare time is limited and I spend a lot on uh, researching into those fun things. And uh, uh, I... I'm also into the most Swedish sport of all, which is floorball and playing that. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, the Knowledge Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data, product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Incredible, perfect. Well, they were a great round of introductions. I think we've got a great panel here to talk to today um so as usual everyone has prepared a question or a subtopic before the podcast which they're going to bring to the discussion surrounding how they you know could help a team from uncertainty or where we can get some ideas surrounding it 
So what we will do now is everyone will have a chance to introduce their question or their subtopic and then we will discuss it for roughly around 10 to 15 minutes on each topic to get as much insight and knowledge around that as possible. Christoph, would you like to go first and introduce your question? Yes, I can. So my question is, how do you help your teams go through financial crisis, either company-wise or even global, and the recent wave of layoffs? So I don't want to tell you my opinion just yet. I I will reach that point. But even last year, we saw a lot of the big companies, even the ones called FANG, Facebook, well, Meta, currently Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google. So the big companies had to make layoffs and a lot of smaller companies as well. And when that happened, or even if the company is going through a crisis, when you may have the fear of, of those layoffs, there is a lot to handle, not just about the people leaving, but also about the people staying. So that's where my question is aimed at. Amazing. Does anyone want to kick us off with their opinions? Hans? Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I think it's a very good question, especially in the in these dark times uh, when it seems like the the industry is going through a bit of a rough patch. Uh, and I think it's also very difficult uh, because it goes into some judicial things and some finance things from the company's perspective. Uh, but what I would really uh, try to do is not sugarcoat things and be as transparent as possible because. If you do not give the information you can, and you should give as much information as possible, people will start filling with blanks. And they're not going to fill it in with any good things. They're going to like interpret it in the worst way possible. And they're going to interpret it in a way where they see it as like coming from like a bad incentive as well. And that's usually in 99% cases not true, but that's the way it will, will be perceived. So... I think be as open as you can, be as frank with what you know as, as you can, but don't lie. Don't say, oh, it's going to be fine, when you don't know if it's going to be fine, because that's even worse. And you undermine your own authority and the people will not trust you. And that's that's going to be really, really, really bad. And I think allow it to be bad, even though it's not like a place where you want it to be, I think. If you have people from that has to leave a team or one team that's decimated uh, in many ways, for to be respectful of that, that's that's a tough thing for them to go through. Also, have a more frequent one to ones and be be there to to listen, even though you can't do anything to change it. I think you still have to acknowledge that these are people who who need help. And I mean, one of the advantages of our world is that yes, there are layoffs, but there will be people to hire you eventually. So I think one of the things is just not to lose the spirit, because if you lose the spirit, it's going to be difficult to get rehired. So that that's my take on it. But I think you touch a very sensitive point, because we will talk about communication and transparency in pretty much every answer, because those are key yeah. and good leadership, no matter what. And yes, you want to focus on your people, the one that are still with you, because you need them to work very well together so you can actually turn the growth around and save the, the remaining of the jobs. At the same time, you don't want to be like, quit the boat. Somebody else will hire you because you do need them to stay. And you need to be transparent and motivating enough that you, as you said, you tell them, okay, the situation 
is not the best. We are very much aware of it. We take our responsibility as your leader for what happened so far, but now let's all go in the other direction and let's turn the boat around. Because if not, yes, you may see an exodus, which will make you in an even worse position as a company. Yeah. Very well uh, summarized, Hans and Christoph. I also feel that, you know, like you said, layoffs are a part and parcel of uh, the industry right now. So when you are aware of this, I think every uh, company, they should have a buffer uh, in terms of finance. If we land into a situation, let's start using that buffer. And most of the times, or some of the companies, uh, they they tend to react or communicate the the bad news a bit late. I would say if you communicate that news earlier, so the, pe- the people, the employees are also in a position to absorb that much better. And right now, while I was thinking uh, of funny or a strange idea came to mind, like if it's a product organization that's in running a financial crisis, they already have a lot of friends in the industry. Why don't you loan the employees? You become consultants and help your employees work with those organizations for a certain period of time and then join back when your financial crisis is solved. So I think, uh, like Hans said, uh, the key is open communication, early communication, and more frequent communication. I think that's a great, great idea uh, that you brought up, Janine, uh, because uh, we started with sort of like expectation management, and that is very good to be transparent and, and honest. And I think you sort of slid into problem solving there, uh, Junaid, and then I would take it even to the next step also, like build on top of everything and, and sort of empower people in the way of uh, like constantly, no matter what what the uh, situation of the, uh, of the market looks like, like empower people to... Um, be really good at uh, expressing their value to the company and make sure that everyone works on something valuable to make them more invaluable to the company because that is a a practical thing that you as a manager can then point to and say, okay, look, we should probably not get rid of these specific uh, people because we have measurable ways to show their value. Uh, And like the people who uh, maybe still had to go they will have a, a very good confidence built up to take along to the next place if they know uh, very uh, concretely uh, that they're doing a good job and they can bring that on to the next place. So that's like taking them through the whole pipe all the way from uh, being realistic about today, but also saving their job tomorrow. And then in the absolute worst case, you build them up into the confidence to understand that they're doing a really good job uh, individually and that they can take that along uh, and that we're in a uh, business uh, everyone here who is extremely fortunate that there is a big demand no matter what Uh, the market might go up and down but we're very very fortunate in that way yeah thank you for for your answers I, i agree and I think that's where I kind of wanted to share my own opinion. I remember reading that too often when a company do layoffs, uh, I think the first worry is the people that, that leave because definitely we feel bad for them. It is normal. It is our colleagues leaving. But a lot of time the silent part is also the one staying because they're going to come back the next week to a half empty office, not knowing if this was it 
if there's going to be another wave in two months or three. And as Hans said, if there is good communication transparency, even from the top, it helps a lot if that is possible. We know that some companies are traded publicly. It's not always that easy, but as long as it can be done and there is some accountability from the leadership, I think is very good. And then keep communicating with the mid managers to keep putting on the teams that feeling that we know we can turn this around. We need to work all together. And if there is something that you will need to know, we will let you know on time. And if something happens, we'll make our best to make sure that we don't let you hanging. As you said, Sebastian, that's very good. And if we can think out of the box and try to find a solution, that's definitely something very good. One thing I believe I've seen on my past, quite a couple of years ago, was the kind of management. It wasn't a very small company, so it can be that. Where they, the management or the CEO of the small company imply that if the company goes down, if there is layoff, it's because people are not doing their work properly, which is the opposite of what we talk now. We definitely don't want that kind of, of attitude, never at all. Because yes, that's actually the opposite. Then you, people are going to be like, even this fear that they're going to be blamed and that will definitely not help. So that's kind of the opposite of everything we said. That's all from, from, from me on this question. Thank you very much for your answers. Amazing. Would anyone have any kind of response to Christoph for, for the answer? I think what you said just highlights how important it is for all the way from individuals to leaders to even adjacent parts in the organization, like the product people next to the engineers, that everyone focuses on, on really measuring the value that you uh, bring. And you don't need to end up in that situation where someone further up don't see the work because that is easy that that happens. So uh, as long as the mechanisms are there to really highlight the job that sort of minimizes that that risk at least. Yes, I think a lot of studies show that that higher the more layers there is on the on a company, the more the top layers are kind of far away from the one with the majority of people, which is normal, it's natural. It makes sense. And that's why in my very personal opinion, the mid-level management management of managers are the key players because they're gonna be the bridge between those two worlds. And this is the moment that the leadership needs to use them definitely at their best, because that's what going to basically send the message or push their message to the teams themselves and reinforce that feeling that we can do this. Amazing, lovely. Perfect. Well, I think we got a really good understanding of that question. And I think it's such an important question at the moment because there are so many different companies going through that that problem and having these thoughts as managers i know one thing that i get quite a lot is a lot of junior managers come in with questions like that so it's been really really useful to kind of hear more into that and share your insights so thank you so much um but let, let's move forward hans would you like to introduce your question yeah i'd love to uh so my question is about uh how is one to navigate the waters of a company merger and its effects on the product and engineering department specifically uh that's also something that um uh, i've been going and doing a lot of uh recently so i'm happy to hear if you you have any thoughts before uh, again i share mine so uh leave the floor open Sinead, would you like to go first? Yes. Um, so, yeah, a very interesting question again. Uh, 
and uh, it comes comes down to something we already touched upon in the previous question it's about how leadership responds to this uh, to this whole merger thing I, I feel that you know again uh, ensuring that the communication happens ensuring that the communication happens early so when we are merging some of the jobs might get obsolete we need to create new jobs we need to reskill people a lot of those things um, uh, come out right so we really need to communicate okay your job will not be lost but you might need to reskill a bit and you can take this job all of the those things uh, need to really be communicated uh, i think when you talk about product and uh, engineering when you are merging i think we need to have shorter product goals so when a company is formed, you have the vision and the mission. We need to have a look at that, split it a bit and say, okay, until the merge happens, let's uh, have this shorter product goal and uh, allow for a bit of flexibility if the goals are not being reached on time. Uh, allow some space for the employees or the people to really uh, absorb that uh, merger thing and account for the challenges. And I always think that such changes are quite big for any leadership or for any or for the people so i think it should happen in increments and iterations rather than going with a big bang approach take shorter shorter uh, feedback loops take shorter uh, set shorter goals uh, revisit those and uh, work on it continuously to have an incremental and iterative approach yeah pretty interesting yeah. Oh, i was going to Yes, I was going to mention something similar. So, mergers depend in, of several factors. So, it's a bit hard to give a generic answer. And as we mentioned before, if we are very pragmatic, usually comes the official announcement comes out of nowhere because a lot of the companies are publicly traded and they cannot mention it until it is a done deal. And then, at that point, at that point, people get like fear, uncertainty. What will happen to me? What will happen to my job? Will I become redundant? So I think the first layer is really, again, try to have good communication and transparency. I know we keep saying this, but those are such core values of good leadership that it needs to be there. After that, I agree with you, Nate, that you need to have a proper plan and do it on iteration. So what will you do with this merger? Will you put the, the products together? We'll just keep them in parallel and have them have some synergy between them. Are you going to integrate one into the other? So once you announce it even publicly to the world, internally, you need to come with some kind of communication, maybe first a short one saying, nobody will lose their job or this is not going to change much. And then on the long term, we're going to announce how we're going to have the two work together as one in parallel, collaborate. So it needs to be kind of a good plan for the, the product and the engineers, but also a good communication of what is the vision now that the two companies are are one that is kind of my short answer maybe there is a bit more details that can be given for the teams themselves but i think it's very specific again to the merger and the companies themselves yeah i'm thinking of this from a, from the angle of of the engineering practice like if you look at merger of two companies from a very if you start from a naive spot and then move backwards you can look at it like oh great we actually doubled our engineering staff so we will have double the output and double the value 
And then you actually sort of start from that naive place and move backwards. Like, where is this not true? And hopefully it holds true as far as possible. And you actually did just double your productivity and the, the, the company will doubly prosper. And then, um, then you mitigate the, the, the parts that where that is not true. Like, do you need two uh, CTOs that is maybe not twice as good? <laughs> and move from there and, and things like that. So I think it's it's an opportunity if you look at it very positively from that angle, at least. Yes, and I think one feeling that you might need to look into from your teams and be aware of is, I have seen this before, if they feel the merger was not needed. So sometimes the team wanted to build something themselves and a company went and purchase a company with that equivalent or that piece or that product. And a lot of time, again, it is more of a personality situation. They may feel like we didn't need that, that product. That product is not as good as ours. And it can be a bit, even a pride thing. And that's something that, again, the, the manager, engineer manager's team lead may need to, to approach on a bit more sensitive angle. How about you, Hans? What's your take on this yeah i think it's it's been a, a lot of a lot of really good input uh, from uh, from each and everyone here uh the only thing i can add is like people will leave from my ex experience and i think just accept that be uh, like as we have spoken about before be transparent with people leaving and respect them but talk to them and see a bit why what what the grounds of leaving is sometimes it's just that they see their they start thinking about the future and like, oh, I've been here for a few years. And like when such a major event happens, it's also can trigger some people to leave. Uh, number two is uh, thinking very, very, very like conscious of sort of fairness between organizations when, when merging. So not one acquires the other and absorbs the other, but like the spirit of both uh, is, is perceived. Uh, not just through titles, but also in terms of influence. So those are things that you might not be able to work with the teams to solve, but it, I think work with the stakeholders, the, the upper management to sort of, this is something we need to, to think about in order for the merger to be a successful one. So having a plan for this, I think, starts already before uh, the merger happens. And I think then executing on it and updating people on how it goes, what's, what's happening, and like the initiatives of the engineering department towards finance and HR and everyone else involved in the merger, that there is like talks about this and uh, like updates on what's going on and uh, the time frame of, of uh, each thing. Uh, it's very, very important. And uh, like lost things, I think simple things such as benefit packages for developers and so on, that these are sort of somewhere nuanced and taken into account and uh, set up in a way that is fair. So after a while that each, it shouldn't matter what organization you're from, you should have this sort of similar compensation package uh, for everyone. So these things are important because developers and everyone just talks with each other. So if you don't realize that as a manager, figure in front as a surprise. So more transparent and openness uh, you can have and as well as being there to have answers for the most common questions and have a plan, I think is very, very important. 
Yeah, I think the key is really have the plan because you will need to have answers. And now that you mention it, once you know that teams are going to work closely together from different from the different companies, I think you need some kind of ice-breaking event, team building, because then, until then, it's probably us and them, and you want to break that, you just want us. And I know it sounds overly simplistic, but sometimes meeting a person face-to-face, sharing a drink or a meal will already yeah. do a good impact. 100%. And I think sometimes that also means like combining teams with people from, from the different organizations and rather look at that and rather than keeping, oh, this is this team over here and that team over there, then that is not proper merger. Then it's just like two engineering department working simultaneously, not sharing things. So I agree 100% that bridging these gaps is very, very important. I think having that innovation, like you like kind of said then, is like so important with the merge to make sure that people feel valued. Um, so I think you've reached on some really good points here. And again, again, it's so relevant to things that are going on now. Um, so hopefully we can help some more people with that answer. Um, incredible. Lovely. Does anybody have any last thoughts on that before we move on to the next question? No? Perfect. Lovely. Well, Jeanette, would you like to... Introduce your question, please. Yes. Thank you, Gemma. Uh, so when when this topic w- came up to me, helping a team through uncertainty, uh, I have actually faced the situation. So I was immediately able to frame a question. So my question is, how to ensure that the team trusts the leadership and continues to be productive? So uh, one of my teams where I'm now I'm, I'm going to my agile coaching or maybe doing a bit of an ad- advertisement on the agile ways of working here. But uh, why, why I came up with this question was after we came out of that phase, I questioned myself, if we were not using the agile ways of working, how would have this been possible? And I would just like to throw some light on how the agility or the agile ways of working helped us. Uh, you know, navigate through that phase. So uh, what I felt was when you when there are uncertain times, what is it that is uh, affected the most? You know, the trust. Okay, whatever uh, our feedback I'm getting, whatever inputs, inputs we are getting from the team, from the higher management, from the product owner, how reliable is that? So we ensured that, you know, whatever it is, even if it's a little bit bad, news or whatever the situation is, we'll communicate that openly. You know, and we were using Scrum at that time. So uh, we have, uh, you know, if you look at these Scrum pillars, it's transparency, inspection, and adaptation. So these are the three pillars of Scrum. So, and we have these Scrum events. We have the sprint planning, we have the daily Scrum, the sprint review, and the retrospective. So this enabled us to have addressed the first point, communication. So we had a lot of constant communication through the daily scrum to the planning and the retrospective events. And when I saw this whole rhythm of scrum, I felt that, you know, human minds, we are wired to be more comfortable when there is repetitiveness, when they are working in a rhythm. And scrum is about cadence, starting at a time, ending at a time, and in between having those communications. So I felt that we are having a box of certainty that, okay, this communication will happen at this time and at this phase. And we are uh, filling those uncertain things within that overall box of certainty. So that addressed a major part of, you know, uh, the feeling of uh, being uncertain about what's going to happen next. So 
um, the team they were really instructed or given uh, a real a real flavor of what's happening during the daily scrums by the product owner by by the agile coach by what we got from the high management and uh, like han said it was about uh, you know communicating the as a situation otherwise people start to fill in blanks with a lot of uh, negative stuff rather than that uh, the situation is much better if you communicate uh, whatever the situation is so just a second yeah um overall i felt that you know when you when you work in a scrum you work in a cadence and uh, we sh- we set sprint goals every two or three weeks so we set okay what are we going to work on on next two or three weeks and then revisit that after three weeks so that really helps the team uh okay let's not look too far ahead let's look at what is uh with us for the next two or three weeks stay focused work on that and we'll analyze the situation later so i was thinking after that you know if we were working with the traditional setup firstly we will not be communicating so often we will uh, be not having this shorter feedback loops or cycles to reevaluate our situation so i think uh, agility and the ways of working uh, with scrum and all of that helped us a lot in uh, helping the team uh, the team navigate uh, through uncertainty and be in a position of okay we are here uh, we'll focus on the next two weeks and we'll analyze the situation later on i love this question it is so complex it could be it could take the full hour yes i think the first point is trust is earned right it's not something people give you for free and yes. as with anything else that is earned you earn it by consistency right so you need to remain you need to keep earning that trust yes. and i think on a high level leaders or ideally good leaders are drivers by default that's why they reach those those position of of leadership and a long time ago somebody told me like in a company the leaders are the equivalent of a general in the army and if people don't trust the general then probably they should not be on that army or the army you're going to fail So obviously you want people to know they can trust you and you need to keep earning it. The way you do it can be in in small and big steps. So first of all as you said, probably you need to be there. You need to show up. They need to be able to see you and go to you. And once you do that, you can focus first on the small picture, what we control and what we can control because then you make sure you put your energy on what actually matter. probably on the short period of time but with your eyes already on your long term goal but always in a way that you can pivot so if something blocks you here you pivot you keep going something blocks you you pivot again so and that's why you also need to be there because they need to feel that you are there on the first line with them going through everything so that's kind of the first part be there make sure that you help guide them on the short term while focusing on the long term the next one will be that you need to listen to them. I again is one of those pillars. People will understand a bad situation if they feel that they are listened to and they know that when they communicate with you and I'm going to apologize for my French there is no bullshit that within what comes from you it is transparent they can trust you because you're going to be honest and that they know that since you are kind of a goal oriented or a driver you will help them go where where they should go and you will make decisions so that there is 
among the uncertainty of the moment, there is a certainty that is you, you are driven and you are leading them and they can follow you. And for now, this is it. I think we can touch a bit more points. I want to heard the answers from, from the others at first. What do you think, Sebastian? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good point. And uh, yeah, that that energy that you described should not really be be misused, but really more in, uh, like make, make sure that it's being pointed in the right way that like I'm um, be realistic and holistic in the way that like I will do as your leader everything I can uh, to help you, but maybe also be realistic. Like if it doesn't work out, I will also help you then. And that will give a lot of comfort. Like, like I said, we're we're in a <clears throat> in sort of a luxury situation in, in in the market wherein we can actually help someone in the next step if if it comes to that. Like really point to that. Like I will do everything I can to help you. And um, uh, in in the situation we're in, you know, what's it called? Uh, uh, sort of surface the work that you're doing and really make sure that that you're giving the best chance possible. And we also have a plan B. Uh, which is, you know, help help the person move on and, you know, be the reference and let them get in contact with the right people uh, that you built up over the years and like that full spectrum, um, that full spectrum uh, security uh, and honesty, I think, is what wins in the long run because it's, it's expectation management as well. Like you cannot be... Yeah. The letdown will be too big if you're like, everything is going to be fine, no matter what, don't worry, uh, I promise you, and then the worst happens. Like, then you really burnt your, uh, your, your, your points with that person. So, like, really move between these two realities and that, like, yeah, in the best case, you will, I'll help you. And worst case, I'll also help you. Yeah, I'd like to chime in on, on that, uh, Sebastian. I think that makes a lot of sense. The, don't make promises that you can't keep uh, or don't, so don't uh, make sure to postpone problems because if things are going to happen, they're going to happen. And sometimes there are things that are preventing you from, from saying it exactly the way it is because of loss and like trade things and whatever. But there are still things you can do, which is like keeping the spirits and, uh, of the people in a good place and, and being as transparent with the things you can share. So it's easy to focus on all those things. Another thing is, I think, staying productive whilst in this situation is important too. And I mean, it may sound very self-interested uh, to, to be productive in that way, but I think it goes back to the discussion we had at the top of the meeting. Uh, like, if you're continue to show that you're valuable, that's important to the company, of course. But it's also important to you because if you, you as an individual show up at an interview after having been sort of sitting on the bench, not having produced anything for a long time, it's going to affect your confidence. Uh, so keep that up. Make sure you deliver. And that that's going to be important for so many uh, so many levels. And I think this is another thing that, that companies that go through a decline, organizations that go through a decline, uh, fail, fail with, or like this becomes a negative circle. I have to break that spiral somehow. And that is actually making sure that we do good things. And when we do good things, we celebrate that we do good things. So 
austerity in all things is not going to help. There has, still has to be recognition if somebody does a good thing, even though you're going through a rough patch. Otherwise, you're never going to sort of break that tailspin. Now, all the top talent will, will leave for sure. So that's, a, that's something that we as leaders also have to, to, uh, to fight for and make sure that it happens because otherwise it's not going to be a good outcome, I think. Yeah, very well uh, summarized, uh, Hans, and some really great and important puts from Christoph, Sebastian, and Hans. Uh, I think if you take the, take the crux uh, uh, and just summarize uh, this question, I think what uh, Christopher mentioned, um, he said, uh, um, okay, I, I forgot that, uh, Gemma, you need to edit this. <laughs> um, Don't worry, I can make yeah. a note. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I think Christoph touched on the point of what is on, on within your control, on when what is outside of your control revealing it to the team and saying, okay, this is what we can focus on. This is what we can control. And uh, as Sebastian and Hans also touched uh, upon a few things like um, being transparent, uh, being open, revealing your constraints. Okay, guys, this is a situation. Even I am maybe in a spot of border. I'm in the same boat as you. But whatever the situation is, if even if it goes positive, I will help you. Even if it turns out negative, I will help you to the best of my abilities. So being there as a leader for the team um, is uh, a comfort, comforting shoulder. Uh, really helps uh, team navigate uh, those uncertain times. Thank you. Amazing. I think. Yeah, that was definitely a question that we could spend a full podcast talking about, I think. And then lastly, but by no means least, over to Sebastian for your question. Awesome. <clears throat> Thank you. Uh, yeah, interested in hearing uh, you other guys' uh, thoughts on like being maybe uh, like we, we talked about um, or we the discussion so far has been sort of from the angle of is that just striking but my question is a little bit like how do you uh, not maybe prevent uh, uncertainty because that's very hard to do uh, but how do you uh, make sure that people are a little bit more resilient that this is not hitting everyone like a complete disaster because that's not not a benefit to anyone uh, but making people uh, and the culture strengthened a little bit like okay this is the actual Reality. I think we covered it a little bit by uh, expectation management and things like that, but a little bit more like just holistically making sure that the uh, uh, that organization is is uh, rigid and ready, or even flexible more than rigid, maybe. Uh, Hans, would you like to start us off? Yeah, I think that's a it's a very uh, good question. I think uh, in a way it's uh, it's hard just to to ask engineering to to do this. I think it's uh, something that the whole organization and have to sort of have us uh, have a like built-in uh, north star uh, for this to work. But in terms of engineering, one thing like that that we can do, uh, especially help developers to do is is plan for it and uh, you were speaking about this already and not having a too rigid of a setup i think that's an important thing uh, to have a setup where which allows for flexibility and things to uh, to be thrown in when 
when uh, when it needs to happen is is very very important. It's hard to achieve, but I mean, if you if you plan everything in detail, you're never gonna go go through uncertainties because there will be things to come up that you don't know about. So maybe if you're if you're used to take filling like eighty percent of your backlog and like with or like a, for a cycle uh, for an agile cycle, maybe think about adjusting that to allow for prioritized things to come through without sort of um, like breaking everything. And then as well to uh, to keep somewhat of a rigid system. It may sound like a crazy thing, but if you're just going to allow these like loose ideas to seep through and you always like allow a strong person to to justify that oh this has to happen now because we're in the crisis then we'll never ever achieve what we have really set out to do and just gonna be allowing and inviting in chaos so also defend against that and try to sort of as a leader absorb as much of this as possible let the information through of course but don't sort of let in chaos, basically, and protect your team against the chaos to the degree that, that you're able to. Yeah. I think uh, a very good question again. Uh, when I was thinking about this question, uh, the first thing that came to my mind is like, um, when you have, when you talk about culture, uh, so I was talking about if, if I'm uh, uh, a father and I have kids, it's, it's a sort of a culture that drives uh, the outcome of a lot of things that my kids will achieve. Uh, so if they are in an uncertain situation or if they are um, confused or puzzled, what? how should I be reacting? What is the culture that I should be setting? Shall I tell them, oh, uh, deal it on your own, don't speak up, or you know, um, d- don't tell me about this, just uh, do your stuff and just maybe listen and not actually work on something. So I think for the organizations as well, um, you know, a lot of, or probably every organization have those cultural values that when you enter the gate, they say, okay, uh, speak up and uh, empathy and humaneness. And uh, surprisingly, when a crisis hits, these are the first things that go to the back end. And the numbers uh, or, or, you know, the financials, they, they take the front seat, where it, whereas it should be the other way around. Those should be in the f- forefront. Like we say, speak up. But at this time, uh, the sword falls on the person who speaks up. So it should not be. It should not be like that. It should be like more of an open door policy, or you know, it's it should not be like I don't have access to a high level executive. It should be like okay, I am here. Let's let's talk. I will listen to you. I will ensure whatever I can do to the best of my abilities. I don't promise you that I will solve all your problems, all your questions, but I'm here to listen and I'm here to, uh, you know, address some of those to the best of my abilities. Yeah, I think it's, it goes back to a lot of the things we talked today. So the pillars, as usual, communication, transparency from the leadership. I think we talk a lot about having plans and I think that's also a key here. If everyone at the company can see the leadership as a clear plan and knows where we want to go. They will trust that. And the plan is to also be flexible. That is something happened. We saw a war last year. We had financial crisis. There was a virus three years ago that made us change even the ways we work. So, okay, the virus turned up. 
nobody could anticipate that. But the rest, that the plan is at least flexible enough that we can adapt. They need to see this. And they need to see, as Unaid was saying, that we have this open door policy or that you can ask questions. You will know if something happened and you can ask. Because I think one of the worst things, and we didn't touch on this until now, is rumors. And I don't know about your guys' experience, but for me, I've seen this around. It doesn't really match my personality, so I don't really understand why there is so many of them, but that's what I try to do. I try to kill them in a way that if anybody comes to me, I'm like, if there was anything that you should know, I would have tell you. And I, my answer will always be honest. So there is no need for rumors because if there is something going on, I will tell you. And if it's taking us two, three weeks longer to tell you everything, it's because we're still working on the plan in a way that we're not just making a decision, we're making a good decision, taking into account every variable that needs to be accounted. Probably we're not going to cover everything. Probably we're not going to be able to cover everybody individual worries. But as a group, we will try to make the best decision possible. And it goes back to the beginning of my answer that if they can see leadership with a plan, a leadership that can communicate properly and transparently and also shows that they, can, they, they listen to people, not the kind of we are arrogant, we have a plan and that's is it. We don't listen to anybody. No, because what people want to, because most of our people are very, very smart people. All they want is to be properly listened. And if you give them a plan, you give them a decision, but you show that you're listening to them and their reasons, and you even explain the reasons behind the decision, they will trust the leadership much more. And with that, I don't think you can erase uncertainty at all, because as we mentioned, even something like COVID cannot be predicted or some bigger events, but within what the company can sort of adapt to, they will trust that you can deal with that. Definitely some very good points raised on the back of that question. Um, anybody else got any, any other thoughts, anything else before we wrap up? I can just add that yeah. uh, what I've seen um, being very successful at companies to sort of make the make the company more robust in this way to to embrace a change uh, mindset and a growth mindset because that makes these sort of like changes a little bit more natural. It doesn't come as such a shock. It's not positive, but at least people know like okay, they they they're more dynamically uh, minded in the way that the more people might tilt towards. Um, angling the situation positively like okay then i get the chance to grow somewhere else uh, even if you uh, brainwash yourself into it and maybe don't believe it that's a very good um that's a very good uh, default to fall into and if if change is constant in a positive way then when maybe it's in a negative way you might be more resilient but that's sort of a bigger picture meta uh, thing that i've seen Amazing, no, definitely. And I think everything that we've said today has been so important, especially in the current dynamic. And I think we've we've reached on that a little bit as well. But also when everything's more stable, like this uncertainty still takes place, especially with the rumours in the office and the culture. It's so important to kind of take a lead on that as a leader. And it sounds like you guys are navigating that pretty well. So thank you so much for sharing all of your thoughts and your ideas and taking part in this podcast today. I know... I particularly enjoyed listening to it, so I hope everybody else has too. 
Um, if you do have any questions for anyone listening for any of our panel guests today, please drop me a message and I will reach out to the guys and get you the answers as quickly as I can. Um, but no, thank you so much, Hans, Christoph, Sebastian and Jeanette for joining the podcast and giving your thoughts. And I hope you, in- you enjoy taking part. <laughs>